Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we're joined by two representatives from the CSU SDA. And we've got Stephanie Prent and Joshua Pang. The CSU Student Dental Association aims to assist with the academic and social life of dentistry students studying in Orange, New South Wales. The SDA facilitates communication between staff and students and organize and run events for both learning and building a sense of community between cohorts. Stephanie is the president. Uh, she is a current fourth year dental student. Originally from Wollongong, New South Wales, she worked as a pre-operative nurse for three years where she was exposed to pediatric dentistry under GA settings. And this sparked her career change. As the spark then moved her into this career, this is also the reason behind her special interest in pediatric dentistry, which she hopes and plans to pursue following graduation. Joshua is the Vice President and is currently a third year dentistry student. He grew up in Perth, WA and spent most of his time growing up playing various sports, sailing, um, soccer and basketball. He's currently getting a taste of various fields of dentistry while studying and has particular interest in orthodontics and rural health. Stephanie and Joshua, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you have both very different interests in the fields of dentistry. So let's start with Stephanie. Have you, I mean, so have you had any exposure to clinical pediatric dentistry at university yet? Clinically, we have, we unfortunately don't get to actually see a lot of children as students. Um, They did have plans for it, but obviously COVID mucks that up along with many other things. Um, But we're very fortunate here that we actually have Prof Widmer, who's one of the best pediatric dentists in probably Australia, um, teach us and go over a lot of clinical cases with us and get that exposure. Right. So tell us a little about, you know, what you saw in that GA setting with, of the pediatric dentistry that really inspired you. For me, I think like healthcare is always something I was interested in. And that's obviously why I went and became a nurse. And I think for a lot of the population, dentistry isn't something you think of. Um, I think us going into this career, we obviously have had something that's kind of triggered it or had a really strong I guess like an experience with dentistry that's made you want to go there and that was me when I went like got exposed to it in theatre. I think I just wasn't really aware before that how much I guess not even like dental work but how much that like your teeth had an impact and how bad it could actually be because I guess most people it's you brush your teeth you generally find you get a cavity here or there but some of these kids that were getting brought in it, it's amazing but sad at the same time the state that their mouths come in and it's just I guess a lack of education and a lack of knowledge around what you need to do to look after your health in that sense. What are your plans after graduating and how do you plan to prepare yourself after graduation to pursue your goals? Uh, I think for me I really want to focus on trying to get I guess like a public job or a job where I get high exposure to paediatric dentistry. Um, I think it's just so variable if you go into the private setting, how much paediatric exposure you get. Um, 
So hopefully if I do kind of position myself well, um, yeah, within the public system and can do a lot of CPD, um, you know, sit my primaries and just kind of get more involved in that kind of side of it, I can hopefully set myself up well to get into the specialty program, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I guess with the public, um, they do have connections with um, the specialists and that is a good um, kind of way to kind of connect and learn more and kind of put yourself in that kind of um, position. Yeah. Yeah. So over to Joshua, you say you've got interests that lie in orthodontics and rural health. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, for orthodontics, it's a bit of an interesting one. Um, I sort of had it all my life. It's something where I'm not exactly sure of like one event that's really sparked that interest, um, but it's just been slowly developing over time. So it started from like a brief introduction, I guess, um, when I was really young. So small things like uh, my parents, um, me and my brother used to find it really annoying and kind of funny sometimes when my parents would always like pay attention to actors' teeth and things like that. Um, and then even after, I, oh, sorry, even before I got accepted into dentistry, um, I got to watch how an orthodontist works through the day. And I, I really, really liked the relationship between the patient and the orthodontist. Um, everyone's just so overjoyed to be there. Um, and especially with some of the kids who um, prior to commencing treatment, like they had a really big issue with their smile and their confidence. I just thought, thought that the effect that um, orthodontics has on a patient is just really something that I would love to do myself and something that I think that I'd be really good at. Um, after getting into dentistry, I then started paying attention to sort of things like the integration of say like intraoral scanners into orthodontics. And I find that whole new world of like scanners and things like that. I think that's really interesting. And especially with like Invisalign and all those advancements, it's just something that I think I'd be, I have an interest in something I'd like to pursue. Mm, yeah. Well, cause it's interesting because, you know, given what we learned so little in orthodontics at university, as most, you know, recent grads would probably tell you, it's interesting that you say um, that you have an interest in it um, at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I must admit, I think I've heard from, so I'm in third year now and orthodontics is covered in fourth year. So I haven't quite got to that stage and I have heard that it's pretty tricky. Um, I guess Steph might be able to comment on it, but I, I'm sure I'll find out soon myself how that goes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so with rural health, you know, can you communicate what you are learning and about you know what it makes it so captivating, especially for some of our metropolitan-based students who might not have a focus of that field of dentistry in their course? Yeah. Um. So before coming to CSU, um, I, I got involved in a program in WA. It was kind of a volunteer program that sent us out to sort of local schools and helped tutor the kids in um, maths, English, and science. And I got to travel into towns with like really small populations, like less than 100 people. And what struck me there was um, just like the lack of access to dental and healthcare. Um, so I think that it, it's just really almost a little bit sad sometimes where like the closest doctor or dentist is like two to three hours away. And I realized that dental treatment is sort of something that kind of takes a backseat sometimes, sadly. Um, so I think that when I f did come to CSU, what I think is especially strong here is um, it's just sort of preparing us to be working in a dental environment. So um, off the top of my head, uh, third year is pretty focused on prosthodontics and lab work. I think that from what I've heard is that we have just a larger focus on things that um, maybe when we're working, when we don't have access to specialists or to lab clinics, it's just kind of preparing us to do some, do some things ourselves pretty much. Yeah, not fair enough. So let's switch gears a little bit and get into the crux of what's kind of happening to many students at the moment. You know, COVID's hit so many student bodies along the East Coast, 
especially, you know, but this isn't the first time you guys went through this. How's that kind of spilled over to your learning experience from your point of view? We can start with Steph first. I think it would be naive for anyone to say that it doesn't affect learning. Um, even just the fact that it's just disrupting your time and you can't really plan ahead. Um, I think fortunately now we seem to be coming to the end of it. it. seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully in the future years people don't go back into lockdown. Um, but we actually did a, a futures night the other day and someone said it's not just being flexible, it's being able to be floppy. And that I kind of really start with me is the one thing with COVID and dentistry at this moment is you just need to learn to be floppy. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. So I think it's obviously we aren't in clinic at the moment. Um, we've just, because we're based in Orange, we've just come out of lockdown about a week or so ago. Um, and we were going through stages of going in and out of lockdown. So I think it's just missing out on that clinical time, which fortunately we will get to make up on. Um, but I think just adapting and, you know, doing sim cases where you can and really doing case-based learning and just like, I guess, bumping up your technical or your like theoretical knowledge so that when we do get that time to go back into clinics that we're not as placed as much as a disadvantage as um, we possibly could be if we didn't do all this. Mm, yeah. And Joshua, how's, how's it been for your, your end? Yeah, um, pretty similar to Seth. I think, um, yeah, it's obviously been pretty tough uh, not having the time in clinic. And that's a really big shame. But as Seth said, we'll catch that up. Um, you know, lectures are going still went ahead online. So, yeah, it's I think almost we're all kind of almost getting used to it. Um, it's been <laughs> two years already. So, um, yeah, as long as we get to catch up time, which we were at the end of the year, it's, yeah, it's not been too bad. Yeah, so you're saying catch-up time, you mean like your holidays might be a little bit sh even shorter now? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it might eat into our summer holidays a little bit. But um, I think in the grand scheme of things, like as long as we get to continue with the year and everything like that, and if the uni's happy to run, I think, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, mm. I think we get, for our year, we're getting off just before Christmas and we're coming back mid-January, so... <laughs> Much shorter holidays than usual, but it, it is what it is. Everyone's just kind of happy to be able to proceed. Yeah, I guess it's it's um, at the end of the day, you want to get the most out of you know um, your uni that you can. At the same time, you don't want to go through it feeling like you know you missed out on a whole chunk, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think we're very fortunate here that we are a five-year degree. Um, we do get that that little bit of extra leeway to make up on the clinical time, especially this year where we get to spend a whole year essentially just doing clinical practice, which is really beneficial when we graduate a little mm. less like a newborn draft <laughs> so yeah i mean like for the final years how's it been for them like have they had to do the same thing like they're gonna have a they're gonna have to go a little bit more into their holidays um as well i don't think it's fully decided yet i think they it could it's likely um mm -hmm. but nothing's 100 percent decided yet right yeah so compared to last year, you guys did, I mean, you've, like you've mentioned, you've done some Zooms, some virtual meetings. Um, I heard you guys did some trivia nights or some day in the life of an executive. Tell me a little about what was that? Oh, so we, we've done a lot. So well, the first time we got placed into lockdown, we actually organized a whole week of online activities for the cohort to do. So we had exercise class, we had trivia, where we actually gave away a pair of loops. Um, we had, what else did we have? Cooking competitions, Josh, yeah, all the other activities. Some game nights. Um, <laughs> Steph hosted a, a, a fitness workout. Um, 
yeah, I think it was just really aimed at sort of uh, keeping everyone's like spirits up, just because I think it's it's really really tough being in lockdown um, for everyone, especially students here that have that are like they're moving away from home to attend the uni, so maybe don't have that support network. We were just really trying to focus on like just keeping everyone positive, really, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I heard you guys have something called first impressions, where you kind of partner senior students up with you know first and second years, and like you said, people have just moved into a neighborhood that you know they don't know anyone, and then they locked thrown into COVID where they can't connect further. So tell us about that. How'd that go? Uh, so first impressions. So this year's the first year that we've run it. Um, and yeah, as you said, we partnered first and second year students up with senior students and it was a completely like opt-in system. Um, and we had social night for them at the beginning. Unfortunately, our plans for second semester got a bit hampered by lockdowns for additional events. Um, but it was really just planned at giving those first years and second years someone that they could go and talk to. Because I know personally, when I was a first year and everything seemed so overwhelming, the people in the upper years were just such a wealth of knowledge and they just they help you out so much and I don't think that can be like it can't be valued high enough how much they really impact us and help your mental health and just help you get through the little things and especially being at Orange where like we have a very very small cohort we have around 40 to 50 people every like each each year so it's you get to know everybody but it just really gives you that one person just to, to message and check in with and like just ask those little silly questions that you don't really want to ask lecturers yeah fair enough um joshua do you have anything to comment on that as well or um yeah like similar it's just as you did mention like it is really hard uh with COVID as well to socialize like you don't get that aspect of your student life where you know you can go up and like just meet someone for the first time so i think we really saw that as like an opportunity um to sort of like pair people up so that they have someone that they know that they've met before um at like a certain night and they know that they can go to their especially for like notes and things like that. I think um, like it with sharing notes and things like that, it's a big thing is sort of like who you know, but rather than having that, we just wanted to sort of pair people up so everyone has access to the same sort of things and everyone's getting like a fair go at first year really. Mm, yeah, and it's always nice to have someone that you can kind of go back to um, throughout. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. S- so how have you guys kind of prepared yourself um, for, you know, because we might be expecting maybe it's still maybe one or two, maybe lockdown still in the future, in the near future anyway. You know, how's, as a committee, how are you guys preparing for that um, or the next committee? Josh, do you want to take this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the face yeah. of the next committee. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Um, maybe. <laughs> I think that, like, it's, been difficult because we just really don't know um we'll probably still progress next year as to just hoping that you know everything um is back to a sense of normal um but yeah we'll just really just try and we're holding our agm soon to elect our next committee and we'll, we've, we've really been taking notes through the past two years of how we've been running things and like that to sort of facilitate take the handover mm. um i'm not too sure Really, it's just, I think a big thing, as Steph said, is just being floppy, just working around things and just, yeah, just take it as it comes. We'll plan for things to go ahead. Um, but if it gets stopped, it gets stopped and we'll just pick up where, where we can. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things as a student body. You're trying to prepare, plan things for next year, but you've got this, this COVID thing that could come at any point and it's just going to interrupt it, right? And everything needs to be scheduled in advance. So that makes it tricky. Exactly. Yeah, we had plans on hosting, you know, 
things that sound like outrageous now, but we had plans of hosting a ball in the middle of the year. We had plans of, um, yeah, having more of these first impression nights where we can all get together and have some pizza and just, you know, all hang out together. Um, and obviously that's not uh, possible now, but yeah, we're, we're just going to hopefully go ahead um, with things, planning for things to return back to normal, but yeah, it's really hard Big to fingers say. crossed everything's back to normal next year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And I notice you guys have kind of been connected with some of the professional bodies outside. So tell us about that. We have really good connections with ADA New South Wales. And obviously we've got, they're one of our major sponsors and also like in Guild Insurance, GSK. Um, those kind of professional bodies, it's, they provide us with so much insight about what's going to happen afterwards and what we have access to and support and not even that, but like they provide us with extra education now that our university obviously doesn't have time to fit into the curriculum. Um, I think it's just so important. Um, and not even, I guess, that extra education, but that extra networking to meet people out there, which is such a big thing of dentistry. It's such a small community once you graduate. Mm. And you're talking about like um, education in terms of um, clinical dentistry, you're talking in terms of um, theory, you're talking in terms of what to prepare for afterwards. Uh, everything really, to be honest. So um, yeah, I think ADA New South Wales has an amazing amount of resources about like, like clinical things um, that are really good case, uh, like, sorry, like a day on oral med. Um, the other day, which was so interesting. Um, but yeah, not even just that, but even about like management, like life after, what to expect when you're first graduating and you're getting a new job, what to look for in your contracts. Um, even just really basic things about, like from GSK, about material, like products and what to recommend and why and how exactly they work. Because I think that's the little things that are so underestimated, but that's what our patients want to know about. They want to know about which patients that what what things to get from the shelf. Is it important if this one's on special or should I pay the extra $5? Like it comes down to those little things for so many people. Mm, yeah. So I know, look, hey, we're in a generation of social media. So what's been your favorite social media platform so far? I'd probably just say, um, I find Instagram pretty cool. Uh, I don't know, ever since I got into dent uh, dentistry, um, you know, you've got, all these um, different accounts and stuff posting um, their work and spreading their like spreading their information out. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Mm. I think I'm the same with Instagram, but I'm I'm a bit more cautious when it comes to I guess Instagram like dentistry Instagram because it's it's the same situation as fitness influencers and all that. Like it's it's providing it's seeing one half of it and it's um. I think if we just have to be aware what's real and what's chosen to be shown to us and also what it's kind of being shown to the patients out there without really the full information behind what it's involving. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's such an interesting thing and it has such a big influence on so many aspects of dentistry nowadays. Yeah, look, I mean, look, the reason why I bring it up is, you know, for many listeners who are probably recent graduates, they're probably um, wanting to see what it would be like on your point of view, because as 
um, students, during our time, we didn't have like social media, like Instagram, where you're seeing all these photos and you know, you have these extra lockdown time when you're on your phone more and you're going through all these catches, seeing all these things to kind of, you know, compare yourself to. You didn't have that extra external pressure that you would have had um, back in the day. And, you know, we might have had just Facebook, but people weren't posting as regularly or people weren't viewing it on those um, as easily. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think you just really sorry, go Josh. <laughs> oh no, sorry, Seth. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I completely agree. I think it's pretty like, as Seth said, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. First of all, and I think um, yeah, with how easy it is to share information, it's just, it's it's like yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, but I think there's also a lot of really really good information where people are um like dentists are sharing their work and sharing what works for them, and I think that's just something that yeah, it can be really helpful but also maybe dangerous, not too sure. Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. There's definitely positives to it and new ways and sharing information. It's just, I guess, everyone needs to be aware of what they're looking at. It's, just, it's for everything. It's it's so easy to compare it to the fitness industry, the dentistry industry on Instagram. It's There's so much you can learn from it, but you also just have to be very conscious of what you're being shown. Mm, yeah, so I mean, for maybe the younger ones, maybe the students that might be listening in on these podcasts as well, what would you say to them, you know, especially maybe in their first or second year, they're coming out now and they're straight onto these uh, platforms. How would you kind of, you know, help them uh, look at some of these things to um, be uh, careful of, you would just say? I, I think the biggest thing is when you graduate, obviously, it's, you can do things how you want to, but just always make sure that you're evidence-based and like you will get there with skill. There is no doubt that in 10 years time, the things that are difficult now and like the things that look so hard, like making things really look aesthetic, like it will come, but you just make sure that you always do the best thing that's evidence-based and you do the best thing that's right for your patient and never compromise on that just to achieve this, what you think everyone on the social media is doing for their patients. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I mean, I have my own thoughts about it and I, I wanted to hear it from your point of view because, you know, for a lot of people, I would imagine they would be like, oh, I saw this awesome trick that I saw on Instagram. I want to try it. And it's like, well, you know, there's some things that you need to learn first before you kind of get to that point. So, yeah, 100%. So, who's been your biggest uh, mentors or idols in your career path and why? Josh, do you want to start? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, like I don't so have a specific name, but I think definitely um, one of my biggest idols was definitely my parents. Um, they're both involved with the dental field. And I think like, you know, every child is sort of like wanting to be like their parents. Um, so that was definitely something like I def de definitely pursuing dentistry was something that like is my personal interest now. But I'd say that, yeah, they're definitely my biggest mentors and idols both in one. And then also on top of that, it's just some of the people I've met at uni, um, especially some of the recent grads, um, when they come back and, you know, tell their stories or even they come back at Futures Night and you see where they are only, you know, one or two years out of uni. And people, you know, some people are working in the military, some people are working in public health and they're just showing these cases. And I think that's just really, really cool and really interesting to me. Steph? Hi. I think personally for me, like my biggest influence would be the, the pediatric dentists that I um that I worked with in theatre. We're still in contact a lot, um, but just he has such a high quality of care and it's so much about 
doing the right thing for the patient, um, really educating them and making sure that you're safe. But I think it's, for me, it's not only that. I think because I've been exposed to so much other healthcare and doctors and nurses and essentially all allied health, I think there's just, I think that has had such an impact on me because it's so, like it emphasises the importance of patient-centred care. And it's that everything you do, you've got to do for the patient. And you've got to remember that like there's people on the other side of that teeth. And it's, I think it can get lost a little bit sometimes in dentistry, but when you're working with on the other side of healthcare, it's, it's such a focus. Mm. So, uh, I mean, you've got your, you've got your curriculum at school, um, at uni. So is there any outside CPD that you guys are doing on top of that? Or do you feel that what you have there is already a lot? I think definitely what we have are given, like, you know, lectures are pretty hard to follow and there's quite a lot given to us. Um, but definitely some of the CPD models that we get recommended from like ADA or ADA New South Wales or other companies that, especially the stuff that's, you know, not necessarily what they tell you in clinic, but it's the information that, the additional information that they give you that you can potentially provide your patient. Um, like in regards to, I don't know, things, we've received one about, I don't know, denture care this year. Um, these things that you know they don't quite like it's not explicit this is what you must tell your patient but it's just like additional ideas of what you can bring to your patient and what you can bring into clinic to give them the sort of the best outcome so i think those are probably yeah those have really helped me a lot this year yeah i think i agree with josh it's we get a lot of content um in uni and i think cpd like if you're doing any extra it's you're prying yourself with caffeine before you do it but yeah there's so much to gain from it um, and I think they're coming from a student point of view. All the free CPDs are such a big benefit. Um, obviously, we don't have the extra thousand or a couple of hundred dollars to throw at CPD courses that um, we might have when we graduate and have well-paying jobs. So a lot of the ones provided by ADA New South Wales are, are really amazing, not only just because of the content, because we actually can access them. Mm. So... What do you hope your ideal clinical and non-clinical day to look like in, you know, five years time or so, or, you know, after you graduate? I, I think for me in five years time, I hope to be <laughs> trying to specialize. Um, so I guess it kind of just depends with that. But if I'm lucky enough to be training in a specialty, it will just be working hard at that. Um, you know, treating kids, still learning, still developing my skills because realistically five years down the line isn't that long away. Um, oh. So still a lot of learning to go from then. Um, I guess on the non-clinical, just, you know, having having some dogs, having a, a good work-life balance, which I think is so important. And um, yeah, I think dogs, dogs is always the priority for the non-clinical <laughs> side. <laughs> Steph, you mentioned that you came from Wollongong, you know, where the beach and the outdoors is pretty integral to, you know, you're growing up. Do you want to return to that? Or do you think, you know, it, it'll depend where your work is or where your study kind of takes you? I, I think I'm open. Like, I, Wollongong is a special place. We always say it's, a, it's pretty much a city, but of two degrees of separation. So I would love to return to the area or even the South, the South Coast region in general. But also I'm kind of open to see where opportunities take me. Um, it's kind of hard balancing that where you're used to living and where new places can take you. So I think it's just kind of a wait and see situation. Mm. And you've, you've said your history you've got in surf club, you've got in the surf rowing scouts and all of that. 
Now, is that something you want to continue after your studies and into your working career as well? Yeah, absolutely. I I think surf rowing was amazing. I was so sad I had to leave it to come out to Orange. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really big on community involvement. Uh, I, there's so much you get just from relationships with people and then giving back and uh, just even in scouts, just like helping kids learn random things that you like you have no idea how much it in, like impacts them growing up um so yeah 100 percent things i want to be involved with after i graduate mm, so dentist on the weekdays and then scouts on the weekend hey yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and joshua what do you what do you hope your next you know five years might be like clinical or non-clinical yeah um i think clinically i'd like to pursue probably um socialization so definitely have that to think about working hard um i think getting involved in some research would probably be a really really good step in that direction because um you know it's always really really good to see what's um getting involved in that sort of area and see what's coming new so that's probably what my clinical day would look like if i managed to get in um yeah i think just working really hard and trying to get the grades to stay in and and graduate on time um in terms of non-clinical day um as i mentioned at the start like really into my sport. Um, sailing is something that I did all through high school and all through growing up. And it's something that I sort of left behind in Perth because there's not too much water in Orange. Um, we have Lake Canobolus. Yeah, we have like, <laughs> we have a lake, but maybe not quite big enough. Um, no, but that's that's definitely something that I would like to return on, um, return to back when I'm in back in Perth. Mm. And do you think your parents, uh, I mean, are they just general dentists? Um, so my dad's an orthodontist and my mom's a dentist. Right. And do you think that's played an influence in your decision to want to go down that path? Um, I think, look, I'd be lying if I said no. I think having that exposure as a kid to my dad's work and my mom's work definitely has would have affected me in some way. But when I think about it and when I think of what I'm interested in now, um, I definitely think that, as I said, when I was watching the orthodontist work and that, that, parent, that patient... Um, patient clinician relationship and things like that. That's definitely something that I want for myself. And that's definitely something that I think I want to pursue now. Mm. And I also hear that you are musically talented. Is that something you also want to pursue during your working career? Yeah, I'm not too sure where you heard that one, but um, <laughs> it's definitely, it, it definitely is something that I'll, I think I'll come back to. Um, I didn't bring my instruments over when I did move to Orange. So that's definitely, I'd probably be pretty, pretty shocking at playing the instrument when I do go back, but who knows? It might be a skill that I pick up later on. Um, I suppose it's something that never quite leaves you. So hopefully I can still play the violin when I return. So it sounds like the CSU DSA might have a, um, a musical talent night, you know, up and coming. So some sort of X, X factor talent night coming up in the future. Hey, we do have <laughs> some very talented people on campus. So maybe, but oh, I, don't, I need to practice. It's been a while since I picked it up. So. <laughs> Well, Steph and Joshua, uh, both CSU representatives, thank you for coming on the show today. If you could let the people know how they can find you or, you know, if um, there's anything that's kind of going on at the moment. Uh, so they can contact us. We've got Instagram and Facebook, the Student Dental Association, so CSU SBA um, on both platforms, really active on that. So keep an eye on that or send us any messages through that and we'll be sure to get back to you. Hey, CP Junkie podcast fam. It's your boy, Dr. Lawrence Stone here, just dropping in to let you know how much I appreciate your listens. 
We've officially reached 1400 views and over 40 release episodes. Cue the applause, please. We've also just reached 35 subscribers on our YouTube channel. In this competitive niche climate, that can be very difficult. Thank you again for riding this wave with us, and I hope you get a lot out of each episode. I'm always trying to dive deeper into our guests' journeys, talking about their highs and lows. As we all know, no dental career is ever smooth sailing. And I don't want you to feel like you're alone in your journey. One thing I've learned is that you don't know who is listening and even they can get something powerful out of a comment made by our guests. So again, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share it with a friend.